I'm Alex Wong, and the Wong Takes start now. Oh, it is great to hear that again. Uh, wonderful to be back here, sitting at the desk recording a Wong Takes fresh for you. Man, we had a, uh, well, I was, I was gone last week, as I alerted you guys, and, um, I think... Uh, what the schedule is going to be is obviously recording today. Um, we'll have an episode that you are listening to right now. And then next week, I will be out with another episode when I deem there's enough to talk about. So I've already got, you know, last week and a half or so was kind of a loaded uh, sports calendar type of deal. Uh, so I've, I've got some of the topics that um, I w- would have talked about. This week, and I'm shifting it over to next week, just so that we can um, kind of get everything in uh, and have enough to talk about over the next couple of weeks. So these two episodes will kind of combine. Uh, it would be as if I recorded on a Tuesday of last week, and then I record on a Tuesday of next week. Uh, so that's going to be how uh, we're laying out the program over the next few weeks. Uh, and as I said, there's a lot, a lot of stuff to get to. Um, we left on a Tuesday and the the course the couple of weeks had some big trades in NBA free agency. Uh, of course, we're going to get to um, big stuff in international competition. I uh, have a personal plug uh, that I'd, I'd like to give out. Uh, so that's all a little tease for what's coming up this week. Uh, and so let's get started. You know, it happened like almost a, a week and a half ago, or not a week and a half ago, a week ago. Uh, it's been a while, um, but, you know, it's the World Cup. I mean, we got we to gotta talk about it. And uh, it's I was able to listen to about two-thirds of the game, and then, and then I watched the rest uh, uh, with Wi-Fi at the hotel. Uh, it was a, a phenomenal game. Uh, definitely the final did not disappoint. It wasn't a nil-nil, one-nil, extra time, but it's just dragging. Uh, There was action throughout, uh, and it was a great matchup to watch and to cap off this super, uh, super duper exciting World Cup. Oh, wow. Anyway, so the winners of this year's World Cup in Russia were France who won their first World Cup since 1998, which, you know, is only five World Cups, but for a country like France with the uh, pedigree that they have in world football, uh, that this was a championship that they really, really wanted, uh, and they earned it. They're just, they were a really complete team playing against Croatia, with the exception of the one gaffe uh, by their goalie, Lloris, uh, they played a complete game. Uh, they took advantage of the chances that they had. Even though Croatia dominated early, they were able to uh, come back and get on the board first through an own goal off of a set piece uh, from Mario Mandzukic. And then a Griezmann penalty in the 38th minute. And then two brilliant goals, first by Pogba, taking a little pace off and winding it around the goalie. Uh, and then 65th minute, Kylian Mbappe, the young star, uh, going across the body uh, to hit a laser shot into the left part of the bottom of the net. Uh, 
this France team, this was their chance. We heard a lot about uh, generations of players. These are some of the best form that some of these teams are going to have over the next, what, 20-odd years. Uh, the teams like Belgium, teams like this Croatian team that they played in the final. So this ride wasn't going to be easy for France. They were, after the elimination of you know Brazil and your typical powers in Spain and Portugal, these, these were, this is the most talented team, uh, without a doubt, France was. But that doesn't mean they had an easy path. Uh, they did a phenomenal job just beating who they needed to beat. Uh, getting past uh, Argentina, obviously, in the round of 16. Uruguay in the quarterfinals. And then Belgium and Croatia. So none of those are kind of gimme matchups. You don't really get gimme matchups this late into the World Cup. Uh, and they were able to handle their business. Uh, Croatia did did a great job as well. Uh, young, uh, small nation. I think they were the second smallest nation to be... or to be in the final of a World Cup. Um, and they received a hero's welcome when they got back from the World Cup in Russia, and deservedly so. Uh, people know that Croatia is a power, is not a powerhouse like Blue Blood in soccer, but they are a great soccer nation. So despite their small size, uh, they people knew that they were going to be kind of a dark horse or, or make a push toward winning this World Cup, and that's exactly uh, what they did. Plus, their their roster is full of, or not full, but has many household names. Uh, Ivan Perisic, Luka Modric, who plays for Real Madrid, uh, Mandzukic, uh, who struggled, or had a poor header in the World Cup, but played great, uh, Ivan Rakitic. So, this Chris team was a dark horse, but uh, they put on a great showing at the World Cup, and there's no reason to say that even as these players start to get older that they're not going to be able to do that uh, again. So I'm not a soccer expert, but we I think we had some fun talking about the World Cup. I'm not going to come back for another four years, um, but it was great just putting on that cap for these, what, four or five weeks uh, and just having fun talking to you guys about what's going on in the outside world. Now we're going to dive back into a little more familiar territory with a trade that, or not a trade, a deal that went down uh, last week with Isaiah Thomas going from L.A. to Denver and to join the Nuggets and join his fourth team in just three years. With the Celtics two years ago getting traded to the Cavs for Kyrie Irving, then moving to the Lakers in the Cavs' reshuffling of the roster they did midway through the season, and now going to Denver. Uh, it's a very, very small contract. It's only for one year, and it's only for $2 million, uh, which is, I guess, it demonstrates to a certain extent that he doesn't really have an ego about this. He understands the long-term picture, uh, which is, is smart to see out of, uh, out of a, a young kid, which he still, to some extent, is. Um, and it's a chance for him to kind of get his mojo back. He tweeted on, or he tweeted a week ago a picture. Uh, I think it was a tweet. It might have been Instagram. Sorry. Either way, um, it was a picture of the MVP race two years ago, and Isaiah Thomas was firmly in the running. And, and I think to him, that's kind of a th- uh, a point to show fans, like, look, guys, I was a star, and I am a star. And don't forget about me. Because in Cleveland, he never really got a chance to be the Kyrie Irving type. 
uh, to replace Kyrie Irving. He never got a chance to be a primary scorer. He struggled a lot, uh, especially with injuries. Uh, and then going to the Lakers, of course, they kind of shut him down, and there was really not much he could do there because he joined a team that wasn't going to make the playoffs. Um, and to some extent, he had very little or a very low ceiling uh, in Los Angeles. So now he gets a chance to come back and join a contending team uh, and join a team that wants to win. And, and that's something he didn't get in L.A. And he also gets to be the main attraction, uh, which is something he didn't get in Cleveland. And to some extent, Los Angeles with, you know, LeVar Ball and, and then the young rookies and Kyle Kuzma and all that, that stuff. Um so it's a good move for Isaiah Thomas. Looking long-term, he can decide where he wants to go after the one year is up. Now, the Nuggets are actually going to be a good team next year. Uh, last year, they were 46-36. and 36. When you're 10 games over 500, you, you normally would be able to make the playoffs. It would have put them at, what, like the 5C or 6C in the Eastern, Con- yeah, 6C in the Eastern Conference? Uh, so it's a tough way to not make the playoffs for them, uh, losing, losing on the final day of the regular season. The Timberwolves, we all remember that. Um, but now they're coming back. They're adding a point guard uh, that can run the floor. He can shoot when he's on. If he comes fully recovers, he's going to be good. Uh, if you look at their starting lineup now, or at least uh, who they've got, Isaiah Thomas at the point. Uh, they've got Jamal Murray, too, so don't know if Isaiah Thomas is going to start or not. Uh, you got Nikola Jokic, the, the uh, big man who came over, and now he's been playing great, double-double machine. Uh, Paul Millsap, who is still relevant, uh, spread the floor great big. Uh, another young guy, Will Barton, Jamal Murray, of course, like I said. So this is a young team, and this is a team that's ready to compete. Uh, they scored 110 points a game last year. They're ready to take on the heavyweights of the West, even if they can't win a series. Uh, they can still come in and compete with them. So in the short term, it's a Good move for Isaiah Thomas. This is a situation where it's a place where he can succeed, uh, which is nice for him. He hasn't gotten that over the last few months. Plus, if he does succeed, he gets to sell himself up to get a bigger deal in the summer like he wanted a few years ago coming off of his uh, near MVP uh, campaign with the Celtics. Next, um, we don't normally talk about the MLB too much on this podcast. Most shows don't really talk about the MLB that much. It's not a day-to-day sport. I've said this before. Um, but, you know, events do happen, and we got into the All-Star Week, All-Star break this last week, and the All-Star Week happened, and I love the festivities uh, this year. I think they're really starting to make a resurgence, and they're helping baseball's age problem, helping baseball's relevance problem. Uh, and I, as a f- lifelong fan of baseball, at least thus far in my life, uh, I love to see fun all-star breaks and, and fun competitions. I love the celebrity game, first of all. You know, uh, you get your celebrities, you get your legends. Um, personally, I think Adnan Verk is a great broadcaster, uh, and Eduardo Perez, of course, is a sidekick for the all-star game because you got a lot of movie stars there. And, you know, when you're watching it, sometimes you don't know who half the people are. I'm not one of those people. I know who about two-thirds of the people are. Uh, so when you have someone that's well-versed in the movie and the TV industry, uh, it's great to have that kind of analysis in there to bring some real color to the game. I mean, even though he's a play-by-play, he kind of brings some color to the game. Eduardo Perez, not afraid to get excited. 
uh, when when you have a game with as interesting of quality as a celebrity game, you need guys who are not afraid to ham it up a little bit and really get into the game to get you into the game. Also, Jamie Foxx is hilarious. Uh, they had him on for for an inning, um, and and I just love the celebrity game in the NBA. In the MLB, I think uh, the NFL could have a celebrity and legends flag football game. I think that would, uh, in conjunction with the Pro Bowl or something like that, I think that could bring some some more positive press back into the NFL, which is obviously struggling to uh, get that in the last couple of weeks with the anthems and everything. But I love the celebrity game. Next, uh, from All Star Weekend is the event that I think has really experienced a renaissance the most, and I don't think anyone can deny that, which is the Home Run Derby. I mean, if you rewind back to 2014, I think was the last year they used the old format, where you have guys swinging to hit as many home runs as they can before they get 10 outs, no clock, no pitch limit, no anything, and you see guys taking, you know, four, five, six pitches in a row, they're just waiting for the right pitch, no one, there's no sense of urgency, Everyone's just kind of taking their time. The event goes like three and a half hours, which is even longer than a regular game, which is disgusting uh, for for an exhibition. Plus, it's wearing these guys out. But then some marketing or just sports genius who understands what people want to see uh, comes in and revolutionizes the home run derby with a clock. And now uh, the format, you got to hit as many home runs you can in four minutes. You get the bonus time for moonshots. 440 feet or more, uh, and it's all a head-to-head bracket. First of all, uh, whoever decided brackets were the right idea, great idea. Brackets have a history of succeeding in the entertainment business. I mean, there's a reason, um, I don't know, March Madness as just the primary example of why brackets work as a competitive format. And then, of course, um, tennis, all of your tournaments. I mean, it's kind of a necessity, but brackets... Uh, kind of bring some fun to it. You you get to preview matchups ahead. Uh, in this case, we got Bryce Harper and Kyle Schwarber in the final, two power hitters, uh, and it's a it was a great show that they put on. Plus, you you get to have batters have to swing at every single pitch because there's no out count. So it's really exciting, uh, especially when when you can watch guys making comebacks like Bryce Harper who's struggling. Uh, his dad was struggling throwing pitches. Um, and then he comes back and homers on nine of it, his final ten pitches in regulation in the final round. Plus, you got the hometown crowd behind him. I mean, it was just a culmination of, of peak entertainment. Uh, and if the MLB is looking for a way to hook in younger viewers, I mean, this competition is definitely a way to hook in younger viewers. Without a doubt, the head-to-head competition and wrapping it up in two hours instead of having to spread it out over a really long period of time and not really have... Uh, and have uh, make it more complicated, and have people have to keep track of more things, uh, and you have to explain the scenario instead of saying you can literally just put this thing up and just say he needs to hit this many to win, right? Um, I, it's kind of a demeaning thing to our society, but nonetheless, um, it makes for a thrilling product. And I think MLB, I, we started to see hints of this on the broadcast, or I started to see hints of this on the broadcast. You can start to mesh more analytics into the home run derby to start to filter in these types of things into the game and making hand gesticulations right now. Um, because this clock thing is a sign of MLB changing with the times. I mean, uh, just a few years after they instituted the clock in the home run derby, they instituted the pitch clock, um, which has kind of sped things up, kept things at a decent pace, uh, introducing the mound visit uh, limit this year. 
So that this is a sign the home run derby could be perhaps a sign that the MLB is changing and kind of easing it its way into the fabric of Major League Baseball, which is a sport that obviously is very conservative, not very prone to change. Um, and I'm not very, I don't like change generally in baseball, but, you know, we've started to see some really good changes this year with the pitch clock and the mound visits, uh, and now the home run derby. As for the All-Star game itself, um, you know, since this is my first All-Star game, I, if I recall correctly on the long takes, it might be my second, but it's been the first in, in, in Either way, um, it, I was personally hated the rule that said the home home field advantage uh, is determined by the All Star Game because in order for that to be true, you'd kind of have to treat it like a regular game because it, it home field advantage. I mean, it means something even in baseball where games can go either way all the time. It's still nice to have your home crowd. There's kind of an intangible thing that kind of shifts the balance five two percent one way or the other, and that and that can make the difference in a ball game that's low-scoring like baseball or a nil-nil game or one-zero game. Um, and if you want that kind of rule, the only way we can make it work is you have to have managers that are treating it like a real game. But of course you can't do that in the All-Star game because you've got like five or six pitchers you want to get in that are all deserving uh, of being in an All-Star game. Plus, on um, the defensive side, it's even worse. I mean, you've got to filter out, or on the in the lineup, you've got to filter out 17 or so guys, I think. Um, and you can't treat it like a real game. You can't have your ace going six innings uh, and have your star power hitter hit four times. You've got to mix everyone in in a position they want to play. Uh, and so as a result of that, the rule was kind of arbitrary, and I'm glad that they were uh, able to get rid of it and really make the All-Star game what it's meant to be, which is just an exhibition, uh, a game of fun, that's meant to show the world the best of what baseball has to offer. I think another development in the All-Star Derby in the last couple of years, or in the All-Star game, has made it really interesting in the last couple of years, and that I personally like, even though people have mixed reviews on it, is the on-field interviews. Uh, I know people are saying it's going to affect their performance, but the point is, in years past, where the All-Star game was determined, uh, determined home field advantage in the World Series, that might have meant something now, uh, now it's just an exhibition game, and you can have these on-field interviews and really uh, show the personality of players. I think that's something that baseball, any sport, really could use. Uh, basketball is a personality-driven game. Uh, we A lot of people don't necessarily root for teams, they root for the players, and that's because we get to see players talking uh, on the court. We get the wired feedback of listening to them interact during the games and utter out play calls and... Uh, really dictate what's going on in their minds. And, and baseball is great as well. Uh, we've started to see hints of that in the last couple of years with players being mic'd up and everything. Uh, but these on-field interviews, you really get to see the personality of who these players are. Uh, Charlie Blackman, uh, one of my favorites, and I think a bunch of people's favorites, going through Twitter afterwards, just this is something I saw pretty frequently, was Francisco Lindor being brought up. Uh, I loved his interview. You get to see a lot of the personalities that don't normally shine through in the day-to-day slog of baseball. Um, And that's something that can, once again, like the Home Run Derby, bring a younger audience to a sport that's been needing one uh, for a while. So I thought All-Star Weekend was generally a success. I mean, the uh, All-Star game was competitive. Finally, the AL had won the last, what is it, had won the last six games. They had won the last five. They come into this game. Uh, it's the drama was intense uh, for once in an all-star game. 
The NL scoring two runs in the bottom of the ninth to tie it up uh, with a scooter Jeanette Homer and then the game going into extra innings. I was actually on the East Coast last week, uh, so I actually stayed up pretty late to watch to watch the end of that game, uh, which I believe to have been worth it. So it was a great week at, or a great week. We're moving back into the second half of baseball. Some great storylines uh, coming out out of baseball. Uh, much of the divisions are close. Uh, living here in the Bay Area, we had a phenomenal Bay Bridge series just wrap up. Actually, full disclosure, it's actually Sunday right now. I wasn't able to finish recording on Saturday, uh, so if the audio sounds a bit different, uh, that's why. But the Bay Bridge series was great. Baseball's great. And I would encourage you to not only watch baseball, but don't forget to check out my baseball spreadsheet that I've been maintaining this entire year. Just a little mini plug amidst everything. Uh, you got a ton of stuff. What I've been doing is I've been tracking the wins and losses for every team this entire year. Uh, it's um, almost over 100 rows worth of data at this point. And now I've been tracking not only that, but I've been putting it in graphs. So if you want to see the win percentage of teams, uh, you can see those in graphs and see how they progress over the course of the year. The new feature that I added a few weeks ago was a, a graph of the games back. So in other words, a, a pretty cool way to look at the standings, in, in my opinion. Uh, for example, Giants kind of moving down, and then they were losing games, and now they're winning games, and they're losing games. They've been a very sporadic team all year. Uh, but either way, it's a good way to get a snapshot of how the season looks and a snapshot of what the season might look like to come. Full, full, full disclosure, it is now Monday because I, for some reason this week, like the first time ever, have been not able to record a full episode in the time that it takes to record a full episode. I apologize, you probably don't know from your end, um, but this is kind of a little bit frustrating, but you know what, I'm putting up with it. Uh, Final topic of the day, topic I am, or last three days, topic I really am excited about, um, just because it's a new thing and I love new things, if... Um, I don't know if you were here, but seven months ago or six months, a long time ago. No, actually, it might have been a few months ago. Either way, I did a little feature on cricket, and I'm going to do a similar thing today, although not as in-depth on the rules, uh, just because. Um, but what happened was the Rugby World Cup was played this last weekend at AT&T Park in San Francisco. It was a great event over the course of three days. Uh, you had rugby sevens teams, which means seven people per side instead of the normal 15 uh, in regular professional rugby. You had rugby sevens teams come around from all over the world and compete to win their version of the World Cup. We just had the Soccer World Cup last month, and now we have the Rugby World Cup. Uh, And believe me, it was just as exciting. Uh, I personally loved it. I watched multiple hours of coverage over the course of the the week uh, or so. And it was a great way to expose myself to a new sport that I had watched some of, but never really to this extent. Um, And I personally loved it. I think you all listeners would love it as well. Uh, For a recap of what happened, the New Zealand team, the Kiwis, uh, dominated the World Cup, winning both the men's uh, and the women's sides. Not a humongous surprise because New Zealand, the men, won the championship in 2014, or the last World Series, I'm not sure about the women, um, but they are they combined with Australia and that whole area are great uh, rugby nations. But I think the biggest thing we can talk about 
coming from our point of view here in the United States, or at least most of us here in the United States, is that the sport really has a future, rugby does, in the U.S. Uh, I really think it can become not necessarily one of the major sports, but really have a consistent presence here that viewers will tune into. Uh, for example, like poker, maybe, where it's really gained popularity. And the World Series of Poker actually wrapped up last week. Um, really nothing there to talk about, but it, it was a fun watch. Uh, it's really developed a presence here, and I think rugby can do a similar thing. For one, uh, a lot of the reason that soccer never really took off as much in the United States was that it never really could develop a successful team. Uh, just last uh, last fall, the U.S. team failed to qualify for the World Cup. So when you have a team that doesn't succeed on the pitch or the field, it's hard to get a fan base around that. But with rugby, um, I think just watching it a little bit, I think it's a little more about raw talent. If you have raw talent in this game, you can succeed. Uh, if you just work a little bit to get strong and you have speed, you'll be a great player. Um, so watching this team, the U.S. men's team finished in sixth and almost defeated England in the quarterfinals who would eventually get to the final. And the women's team placed fourth, uh, coming close to beating New Zealand, uh, who would eventually win the cup, of course. So the U.S. already is experiencing success here to some extent. And I think they will continue to experience success because the U.S. having 300 million people actually kind of comes into play here. You have a humongous talent pool to reach. And as rugby gains in popularity, you're going to get more and more of these speedsters, uh, names like Perry Baker and Carlin Isles. They're going to inspire a whole new generation of speedsters that are going to come into rugby and really make the U.S. a uh, force to be reckoned with uh, in, the, in the competitive rugby world. And I'm very excited to see, see what can continue. Also, uh, I think the, there's a real reason that rugby can attract a fan base. is uh, It's a really short game. The game in total takes about 20 minutes because you have seven-minute halves and a two-minute halftime. So really, it's more like almost a little over 15 minutes. Um, and when you have a game like that, it's almost like horse racing, where if horse races were three hours long, it'd be something like NASCAR, where it's kind of a niche, uh, besides the fact that horses can't run for three hours straight. But it'd be kind of a niche where only certain people would watch it that were really invested in the sport. But when you have these like two-minute spectacles in horse racing or these 15-minute spectacles in rugby... Uh, they can really draw a big crowd. Uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. When you have these short matches, they're right to the point with a ton of action. And believe me, rugby is not short of any action. Uh, you really can attract a big crowd. Uh, speaking of big crowds, there already is a market for rugby here. AT&T Park was almost full on the last day. And whenever the U.S. played, there was a huge support and a huge crowd. The stadium was packed. And believe me, AT&T Park's not a small stadium either. Uh, they filled it 40,000 strong. Uh, and there is, a, and I was trying to go actually. Um, I couldn't make it, but I was trying to go. And so, combining the fact that you already have a market, you will continue to develop a market uh, as USA rugby gets better, and in turn, that will make USA rugby better because you'll have more talent coming to play rugby. If the US could get a, a well-publicized, you know, domestic rugby league, that would be pretty cool too. Uh, and it's it's an it's a fun game for kids to play also because it, it's not like uh, I don't know, baseball, where you need a bunch of things to play. You need a specific ball, you need a bat, or uh, like maybe basketball, you even need a hoop. With rugby, all you need is a ball. It doesn't even have to be a rugby ball. It can be any kind of ball, and you can play rugby. The rules are, once, if you ignore the scrums, pretty simple. 
uh, in my opinion, and I think rugby could really have a future here in the United States. Uh, so that's my little spiel on the Rugby World Cup. All right, uh, quick take. I'm going to make this really quick because we might end up talking about it next week uh, if it goes down. Report from Bleacher Report and Mark Stein. Carmelo Anthony to sign a $2.4 million contract with the Houston Rockets. Yeah, so we've already talked about this to some extent. Melo's going to make them better. Uh, I think OKC actually got a decent amount out of the Hawks trade, getting two solid uh, bench players, Dennis Schroeder, and a forgot who else. Um, but it's not a bad package for Carmelo. I mean, you weren't really getting much out of Carmelo. Um, so I'm just going to talk about that for now. I think we'll, we'll get more into that uh, next stuff later. So thank you so much for listening to the long takes. Sorry for being off almost two weeks, but we'll be back on a short rest um, sometime this week. Uh, there will be a new episode coming out. Uh, but I hope this was enough for you over the two-week layoff. Hold it over. Uh, check out the website, bit.ly slash thewongtakes, patreon.com slash thewongtakes, thewongtakes, at gmail.com with questions, comments, concerns. Rate the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Uh, what else is there? Subscribe. As always, it's how you get fresh podcasts coming into your feed all the time is to subscribe. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the Wong Takes as per usual, and I will see you uh, maybe sooner than next week.